This morning, I have the privilege, as uh, Emily mentioned earlier, to take us back into a series that we were in prior to the Easter window, a series that we are calling Strangers, Living for a Better Kingdom, because I don't know if you knew this, but if you were a follower of Jesus Christ, you belong to a better kingdom. You belong to an undefeated kingdom. You belong to an undivided, unending kingdom. And uh, we've been in a journey leaning into the words of Jesus to learn what it looks like to live in light of that better kingdom because that better kingdom invites us to live a better way. But don't get it twisted. Better way does not necessarily mean easier way. As we continue to see in this study, living in light of the kingdom will often clash with what it looks like to live in light of the culture in which we live. And uh, today is going to be no different. Uh, Some challenging words coming from the lips of Jesus. If you have a Bible, please meet me in Matthew chapter 5. We are going to start reading at verse 10. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, verses will appear on the screen. If you don't own a physical Bible, by the way, it would be an absolute delight to get one into your hands. Just email us or just shout in the middle of the service or flag anyone down. I would love to get a copy into your hands. And uh, for those of you joining us online, welcome. So glad to be with you. Uh, The the words will appear at the bottom of your screen so you can follow along um, that way as as well. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse number 10. Here's what Jesus says. Blessed are... Those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Not going to lie. This may be the craziest and most counterintuitive of all of the Beatitudes All of the statements Jesus makes in this section of scripture. How completely happy are the persecuted. This is not what we typically say to each other or think in our cultural context. This is completely countercultural. This is completely counternatural. How completely happy are the persecuted. I'm just telling you right now, this is going to take a little bit of humility. This is going to take a dose of courage for us to lean into Jesus's teaching on persecution. And I just want to tell you ahead of time, welcome to church. This is not going to be one of those amen type of conversations. Um, in fact, this is going to be one of those more like note-taking type of conversations. One of those like, i got to ponder and think about this type of conversation. In fact, I feel more like we are in a classroom type of 
conversation as we lean into kingdom perspective on persecution because this is how Jesus followers ought to think about persecution. And so we want to have a really simple conversation about this because precisely because it is not something we talk about or process very often in our cultural context. Now, just to be Sure that we are on the same page because this word persecution is used in a variety of different contexts. And frankly, this word persecution may be newer to some of you. I want to put the definition up here on the screen. Um, in the context of the Bible in general, persecution is speaking about being hurt or harassed because of a religious position or practice. Being hurt or harassed because of a religious position or a religious practice. It means to be attacked in any kind of way because of your religious choices or your religious convictions. But Jesus' definition of persecution gets even more specific than that for his followers. Look again at verse 10. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. How completely happy is the person who is hurt and harassed because of their righteousness. This is so important that Jesus gives some framework for persecution. It's really important that Jesus speaks about Righteousness being the cause of the hurt and harassment. It's not because you're hurt and harassed for doing something dumb. You're in your 40s and you're trying to do gymnastics and you break your tailbone. That's dumb. Don't get in the ambulance talking about, oh, completely blessed are the hurting. Like, no, that's not what Jesus is talking about. That's just dumb. Don't jump into a boxing ring with a professional boxer just because you stayed in a Holiday Inn last night. You're going to get hurt and you kind of deserve it. That's dumb. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I think it really actually helps us to understand what Jesus doesn't mean in order to more clearly get a sense of what Jesus does mean in this context. You don't go to a Colts game wearing a Patriots hat talking about how completely blessed are the harassed. No, you're just harassed because you're dumb. You don't do that. You don't go to a clan rally dressed like, looking like me. That is, that's dumb. That's not smart. I don't know if you can tell jokes like that in this cultural context. Maybe that's dumb. I may be canceled now. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you wish. No, I still have some time. Um, don't do dumb stuff and then act like a victim. Of persecution. He's talking exclusively about the kind of hurt and harassment that you experience because of righteousness. In his kingdom, oh, how completely happy is the person who experiences hurt and harassment because they insist on living in light of his kingdom. How completely happy is the person who experiences hurt and harassment because they insist on doing right by Jesus. Righteousness. 
because they are determined to look like Jesus and live like Jesus says. By the way, while we're talking about what this is not, um, I think it's really important for the church to understand this is speaking about the person who is persecuted for their obedience, not for being obnoxious. The church needs to hear that honestly in our particular day and age. This is not harassment, you know, because I, I rallied carrying a picket sign that says God hates facts. That's obnoxious. Because Jesus wouldn't do that. No, it's talking about righteousness. This is not because you went to a family gathering with a clipboard, you know, making notes and counting how many times somebody swore. Oh, you're going to hell for that. Oh, you're going to hell. That's obnoxious. This is not that. This is not because you're at school and you're measuring everyone's shorts, you know, to see if they're measuring up to, to modesty. And then you're pointing out and calling them names. No, that's just obnoxious. Not because you're using disparaging labels to speak about people who aren't quite living up to the standards that, that God sets. So now it's okay to call them those names because those are the, the, the whatever. No. That's not righteousness, that's self-righteousness. It's different and it's obnoxious. And I think sometimes we can act obnoxiously and then get called out for it and then say, well, well you're just being persecuted for, for, for living like Jesus. Well, no. Jesus is speaking about people who are determined to look like Jesus and live like Jesus says. Peter's talking about suffering for Jesus. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, Hey, listen, as far as it's up to you, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Like live like Jesus would. Fear God. Honor the emperor. He says in chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. He must have been listening to Jesus. Don't be afraid in that case of their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts continue to declare, to revere, to set Jesus Christ apart as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have, not because why you're so obnoxious. But do this, he says, with gentleness. Do this with respect. Keeping a clear conscience. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. They will have to make up stuff about you. Jesus is not talking about being obnoxious. He says in verse 11 of the text that we are looking at this morning, Matthew chapter 5, he says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This is not talking about 
persecution or, or harassment because we as a church or followers of Jesus are being um, obnoxious or self-righteous, but because we are doing what Jesus has said with the character and the tone that Jesus would take. Righteousness. I wonder if you're looking like Jesus and living like Jesus says. Because, according to Jesus, as he frames this perspective of persecution, there is a beautiful brand of happiness that is reserved for the person who experiences any kind of hurt or any kind of harassment because they look like Jesus or they're living like him. There is a special brand of Happiness. There is a heavenly and holy joy that comes from suffering because of your connection to the person of Jesus Christ. This is not a truth we shout very often in our context, but the church fathers and the church mothers, they understood this clearly. James chapter 1 verse 2 um, Says this, consider it pure joy. The best kind of joy. Um, Consider it joy, concentrate. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials, when you experience unpleasant things because of your faith. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 13 says, but rejoice, Peter says, in as much As you participate in the sufferings of Christ. We don't talk like this very much in our context. But here's what the the, the fathers of the church understood. Rejoice, he says, in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So that you may be overjoyed. There is joy now and there is even greater joy later. When his glory is revealed. Verse 14. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ. You are blessed. He must have been listening. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. There is a special brand of spirit of God and glory. That drapes over the person who experiences any kind of hurt or harassment. Because they look like Jesus. They live like Jesus. There is this heavy mantle of holy happiness that rests on every person who experiences any suffering on account of the person of Jesus Christ. And as terrifying as it might be, I think we then have to ask the question, do we want that I had to wrestle with this question do I want this like when I read there is joy now a heavenly brand of joy and there is a greater joy to come do I really want that when I read about the spirit of God and the spirit of glory draping over me as I live my life in this world the question is do I really Want that? That's the question I think we have to answer. Because if we're honest, many of us would say, "Mm." 
if you are saying that I, I'm going to experience some hurt or harassment, I, I may be fine with just okay. This is legitimately a question I pray each one of us will answer honestly. Do we really want this? Do we really want the declaration of blessing and great is your reward and the spirit of God and glory? Do we really want this? Because isn't it crazy to think that one of the reasons I may not be experiencing the richest brand of happiness And the heaviest kind of glory that heaven has to offer is because I'm not quite willing to experience any of the hurt or harassment the world has to offer. I'm like, no, I'm good. (sighs) Challenging. But Jesus goes even further. As he frames the perspective on persecution, he says not only is there a special brand of happiness reserved for the hurt and harassed, but, and this is crazy, there is a place in heaven reserved for them. This jolted me. Did you see it? Matthew chapter 5 verse 10. Jesus says, blessed, oh how completely happy are those who are persecuted, hurt or harassed because of righteousness. Because they insist on looking like me and living like I say. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Ooh. Jesus says heaven is reserved for the persecuted. Heaven is reserved for people who experience hurt and harassment because of him. This shook me. I'm not going to lie. One of the ways you know that you have a reservation in heaven is the fact that you experience some degree of hurt or harassment On Jesus' account. Now maybe that is not jolting to some of you. It may be more jolting if I say it the opposite way. If you do not experience any hurt and harassment because of Jesus. Heaven may not be for you. This shook me. Because apparently the kingdom of heaven is for the persecuted. Read it. So do you have reservations? Oh, but I've claimed Jesus as my savior. And I've crowned Jesus as my king and my lord. That's great. And one of the evidences of that will be the fact that you will experience some level of suffering for his sake the way he did. This is so far out of our cultural concept. So outside the scope of what we naturally and culturally think. But again, 
to the men and women of the New Testament, this was unmistakably clear. You cannot study the New Testament and not find this understanding. They understood if you follow Jesus, persecution is not optional. Again, back to James, the brother of Jesus who died for his faith claims about Jesus. He once said, as we saw, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I just wanted to draw your attention to that word whenever, not if ever. The church fathers understood persecution was part of the package. It was inevitable for the follower of Jesus. There is no version of living in light of the kingdom of Jesus that does not have a persecution clause. It doesn't exist. It's not a question of if you will experience hurt or harassment. As a follower of Jesus, it's how often and how severe. And if you study the New Testament, you quickly find, man, if persecution is an if for you, then heaven may be an if too. Paul said it this way. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. He says, in fact, everyone, no exceptions, everyone who wants to live a godly life, who wants to live a righteous life, who wants to live in light of the kingdom, who wants to live a life that looks like Jesus and lives like Jesus says, anyone and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's not a question of if, it's a question of how often and how severe. I don't know if I mentioned, but this morning we, we want to, to, to gain a kingdom perspective of persecution. From the words of Jesus. If you never experience hurt or harassment because of Jesus, the only explanation. You're not living a righteous, a godly Life that lives like Jesus says. Because Paul says, no, you will be persecuted. It's not a question of if. If you're not living in light of his kingdom. If you're not living in light of what Jesus says. And the question is, what makes me think I belong to his kingdom? Man, I say stuff like this and I hope our church will grow. It's, I don't know, Jay Wilcoxon, come get me or something. But tell me how you read these verses. I cannot find a version of looking like Jesus or living like Jesus says that does not invite hurt or harassment at some level in some way. Jesus said it this way himself. If you don't trust James and you don't trust Paul, Jesus says, verse 18, John chapter 15. We'll put this up on the screen or down on the screen, depending on where you are. If the world hates you, 
Keep in mind and also congratulations because it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you don't belong to the world. You belong to a better kingdom. I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, come on, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Jesus is telling his followers, you ain't better than me. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they don't harass you in any way, you might be at home in this kingdom. This may be your world. This may be your home. I cannot read Jesus' words any other way. Persecution is not an option for the follower of Jesus who is following after Jesus. Any version of Christianity that eliminates persecution is a counterfeit version that makes us better than Jesus. And I'm telling you, the spirit of the living God, I think, wants to prepare his church for what's to come. This is what the Bible teaches about following after Jesus. And by the way, this is not bad news. But man, it shakes us out of the places that we've become way too assimilated and way too comfortable in the culture. Well, if those people in the Bible were just a little wiser and lived a little more like undercover Christianity, you know, if they lived like a little bit more on the, on the down low, then maybe. I mean, I mean, if they were a little more chill, a little more integrated, a little more hip, you know, a, a little more relevant, then maybe they would experience less harassment. They had to go running their mouths, just living out loud for Jesus. Because that's what followers of Jesus do. But I often think that. Like man, well, I mean, Paul kind of like he ran his mouth. He could have just been super chill. Miss me without persecution. But persecution apparently is not optional. If you never experience persecution because of your faith. You may have adopted a counterfeit version of Christianity. And I'm just asking, do you have a biblical perspective of persecution? What does your life say? Has the culture embraced you with the lure of comfort? To the point that you even legally demand... That Christians should be protected in ways that they never have to struggle. It is our right to be comfortable. That's what we want. And that's what we believe somehow we deserve. And we will wage a war to guarantee that we never experience any hurt or harassment.
Something else I noticed, which I think is so helpful for me, is I noticed that apparently persecution is not cultural. Persecution is spiritual. Because I don't know about you, but for me, I've, I've very often been tempted to justify the fact that my life is so often way too comfortable. <laughs> and the way I do that is by saying, you know, well, persecution is, is for people who, who live in certain parts of the world. In certain cultures, you know, I mean, Christianity is more unpopular or, or it's more illegal in, in certain cultures, which is why they experience persecution and I don't. Persecution is cultural. And Jesus will say, no, persecution is not about what part of the world you live in. Persecution is about which kingdom you live for. It's a spiritual issue. And we sometimes talk like this, like, watch out. Persecution is coming to America. I'm like, all right, Eddie Murphy. The, The reality is... Persecution is already here. The question is whether you are living in light of the kingdom enough to experience it. By the way, just so you all know, like I don't sleep well and wake up like super stoked to come and talk about things like this. Just so you know. Um, And also just so you know, there's so much of me that's like, I just can't wait for this to be over. And just go vomit or whatever. But I can't not see it. It's, it's, it's completely unavoidable. This is not a cultural issue. I can try and let myself off the hook by making it a geographical issue. Um, it's about godly and righteous living. Now, it may be more legal for governments to persecute in certain parts of the world. Uh, it, it may be you know, more culturally acceptable for Christians to be targeted in certain parts of the world. In fact, there are 340 million Christians in our world currently living in places where it is legal or culturally acceptable for them to be targeted and persecuted. It's actually okay. There's protections for it. Um, For Christians to be tracked and intimidated. For their property to be confiscated. For them to be violently treated. For them to be thrown in jail. There are millions in jail right now just because they are Christians. In certain parts of our world. There are many who are put to death because it's legal in those parts of the world to to do that, or at least the powers that be make it so. And we as a church, by the way, want to join in solidarity and be prayerful. You're going to hear ways that we can do that in consideration of people in other parts of the world who are experiencing a more intense and a more legal version of persecution. But don't get it twisted. Persecution is not reserved for them because of the places in which they live. It's a spiritual issue. It doesn't matter if you live in Mayberry. Live for Jesus and persecution will come for you.
And so I think we often think about this. This is part of why it was so important to define persecution as being hurt, harassed in any way. Because I think sometimes we're like, no, 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 there's no persecution. Because at times we put it that part of the world and then we think of the most extreme experiences of persecution. But if you read what Jesus says, he doesn't say, blessed are you if you're thrown in prison. He doesn't even say that. He says you're insulted and you're called names and you're falsely accused. That's persecution. It's not always physical. Sometimes it's emotional. But I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you live. If you live in light of the kingdom, it's going to come your way. First Peter 4 verse 2, as he's speaking about Christians suffering for Jesus, he says, as a result, those who've come to know Jesus do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires. They've been changed. They've been transformed. But rather, they now live in light of the kingdom. They now live for God. They now live righteously. They now live chasing after Jesus Christ. And then verse 3, because you've spent enough time in your past lives doing what the pagans do and doing what the culture does and following the majority and, and tripping over the comparison trap. Living in debauchery and and lust and drunkenness. We used to. We're done with that. And orgies and carousing and detestable idolatry. Man, we are done with that life. We've met Jesus and we've been transformed. And now we are living for him. Verse 4. And they're surprised, the culture that is, that you do not join them anymore in their reckless, wild living. And they heap abuse on you. I thought this was such a striking passage. Let's bring persecution into our cultural context. Let's think about it in the context in which we live. Because I'm telling you, it's not geographical, it's not cultural. I'm talking to you parents now. Try and raise your kids like Jesus says and see what happens. See how quickly they start standing out from their friends. And see how quickly you start hearing whispers about what the other parents are saying about y'all. But that's half the battle, if that. Just wait till your kids start getting close to teenagers and they become very aware of all of the things all of their friends get to do and they don't get to do because the Bible says certain things that you are trying to introduce into your family context. And your kids will call you names. You are out of touch. You are uncool. You are irrelevant. You are not as cool as such and such a parent. You are like literally you will experience verbal something in your own home. Guess what? Jesus would consider that being hurt or harassed. Because you chose to draw a line that Jesus draws in the sand. But if you as a parent want to be cool and liked, and I'm trying to invest, I always want my kids to be able to come home. So I don't make any boundaries, any rules. I tell them anything goes and everything is fine. You'll be cool for now. So I'm saying, live a godly life as a parent and see what 
happens. Man, I can tell you for a fact, there are spouses in this church who are experiencing persecution in their homes from their spouse. Because at some point, they fell in love with Jesus and they want to grow in him and they want to connect to the church and the church's mission. And they want to live all out for him. And they start becoming a threat to this thing that we used to have and the stuff we used to do together. And remember when this marriage was the most important thing, you were my ride or die. And now what has happened? You've betrayed me. And they start to experience distance. They start to experience rejection. They start to experience the calling of names. In their marriage. And. And. Some of those couples will come to church together. But what they're experiencing. Because they insist on looking like Jesus. And living in light of what Jesus says. Is a version of persecution in their own home. It doesn't matter where you live. It'll find you in your house. There's some of you who've been strategically uninvited from family gatherings. Like all y'all got together. It just came up last minute. Because no matter how much they try to get you to do it. You cannot endorse that relationship. No, we're just saying, can you just say it's okay? No, I can't say it's okay. That person's married to that person, and that person's married to... No, I can't say it's okay. Well, then you kind of make things awkward around here. So excuse us while we exclude you. You don't have to go far. I'm telling you, live a godly life at work and see how long your co-workers dig your stuff. As you refuse to join those disparaging conversations about your boss, because Jesus wouldn't do that. As, as you refuse to expense that thing that wasn't work related. Well, we all went there though. And if we expense it and you don't, you make us seem like we are like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Come on, I dare you. Live in light of what Jesus says at your school. Like I, oh, you're one of those kids. Yeah, the teacher said we shouldn't use spark notes though. Oh, you're going to be like that. Oh, I see how it is. I see how that goes for you. No, I won't send that to him on Snapchat. Wait, you've never seen it? No. What? Why? Because Jesus, say it. Tell them why. Because Jesus. Set Jesus apart as Lord in your heart. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you why you're weird. That's Jesus. Ugh. Well, we did some stuff over the weekend and you weren't invited because you're weird. You don't have to go far. The kid who's being mistreated in the cafeteria and you say like, guys, I'm sorry, you can't treat this person this way. Oh, that's how it's going to be now. Live in light of the kingdom. It doesn't matter what your geographical location is. You will experience it. I'm sorry. I know you're my boss, but I cannot lie for you. I know you're my boss, but I can't cover up this harassment situation. Yeah, I realize. Yep. 
I realize the ladder just hit a ceiling and that promotion's been taken off the table and I make half the amount of money I should actually make in this company because of the fact that I will not join in in some of this stuff because Jesus. I'm just saying, try living radically for Jesus. Take it for a test drive. And see if you don't start to experience a little resistance, a little harassment. You don't have to go very far. No, the Bible says sex is reserved for the confines of marriage. That's why I don't sleep with my girlfriend. And your roommates will start to mock you. (laughs) That is so archaic. No one does that anymore. And they will start to say stuff about you that's not accurate. They'll start to accuse you of stuff that you didn't even say. But worst of all, I dare you to start living radically for Jesus. Live in light of what Jesus says in the context of the church. You may be surprised. What happens? Start calling sin, sin in the church, in the circle of people who claim Jesus. Like y'all claim Jesus, but guys, this is not okay. Like tipsy, drunk, it's still a sin. Because Jesus, oh, you're going to be one of those legalistic Christians. I don't think that's the accurate definition of legalistic. Open marriages, there is absolutely no place for that in the church. So if you're looking for me to give you some kind of a nod or a wink or a smile, I can't do that. I love you, but I can't do that because of Jesus. Oh, you're one of those. Blankety blank stick in the muds. Share the gospel with your friends. Go out with your friends' places and you meet somebody, you're like, oh, hey, oh man, I'm glad you asked. I can tell you why. And just watch. Soon, you may even get people in the church who are like, oh my gosh, we can't take her anywhere. For she starts embarrassing us by talking to strangers. Stop this. You're canceled and uninvited now. You don't have to go far. You don't have to go far. It may not be physical, but you will feel the hurt no matter where you live if you live in light of the kingdom. And I'm telling you, church, I'm not talking about living on the down low. If somebody asks you the reason, tell them. It's Jesus. It's not because I don't feel like it, because I actually do feel like it a lot. But Jesus... Declare the name. Don't be ashamed of it. Give the reason. This is why I struggled so much. I get to serve in in a variety of different contexts where people know nothing about Jesus. And I've just realized I just don't speak his name enough. Sure, people know I'm a pastor and they have all of their questions about what that means and how strange and weird that is. But my, my job is not to talk about pastoring. My job is to talk about the person of Jesus. I'm just telling you, if you look like Jesus or live like Jesus says, you will be hurt or harassed by somebody in some way. It doesn't matter where you 
live. We say there's very little persecution in America. The Bible might say maybe there's very little righteousness in America. Because Jesus doesn't distinguish where you live. He says the world will treat you the way it's treated me. Doesn't matter what culture. It may be legal to take things more extreme in certain parts of the world. But righteousness, living for Jesus, is always at some point going to grate against the culture. It's going to go against the flow. And people are going to feel like you may be saying things about them or you may be thinking a certain way about them, which is always what happens. Like, you know, uh, I was in Miami a couple of weeks ago. had nothing to do with the curfew. But I was there and, you know, working with some folks who don't know Jesus. And, man, people always find out, like, why I'm there and what I do, you know. Uh, And the first thing that happens is people start going through, like, oh, God, gosh, darn, you know, and they start like, I'm sorry, I've been swearing so much. You're probably thinking, right, it's that concern about, you know, do I have a clipboard? Am I making a list of things that they've done wrong? And that's not even with me saying anything. By the way, I'm not saying, you know, swearing is some this, that, and the other. That's not the point. My point is, man, we live in a cultural context with opportunities, To live in light of the kingdom of Jesus. And it's going to naturally just stir something. Let alone if I am consistently representing him. So what do we do with this perspective on persecution? A A couple of quick things. Number one. Church, let's commit to righteousness. Let's commit to righteousness. Let's live Jesus out loud again. Jesus should not be on the down low. People should know who we live for and who we represent. If someone knows your favorite sports team, they should know who your savior is. Let's live righteously again. Let's share the gospel radically again. He changed my life, right? But come on, be honest. We start to measure and calculate. Okay, now is this a context in which I can share this? But if I share this, this may miss, you know, it may not put me in a good position for the promotion that I wanted, this, that, and the other. And we have just warded down. And the truth is, because we're concerned that if we live the way we know we ought to at times, it's going to invite some level of hurt or some level of harassment. So we avoid it and we go with the flow. And I'm telling you, Jesus says, if y'all are ashamed of me in front of men, I will be ashamed of you in front of the angels in heaven when I return. I don't want that for me. Let's commit to righteousness. No matter what the cost. Spirit of the living God, give us the courage for this. This will take an immense courage that we don't have in and of ourselves. But I'm telling you, if you are honest and and, and there's humility and I'm longing for that in my own life, I'm realizing I am so often so ashamed of Jesus. I don't want people to know that because I don't want them to think a certain way about me. I don't want them to treat me a certain way. I don't want to feel left out. 
Which is one of the reasons why I want to vomit when I'm done with this. Because I don't want people not to like me or not to like a mission point. Because that's a place where they just are always saying these really ridiculous, hard things, whatever. But man, can we commit to righteousness? And then second thing I'd say, expect some resistance. Don't be surprised. If you commit to righteousness, don't be surprised. That's the thing that I think is so interesting in the church. We're like, oh! They're starting to mistreat us a little bit. This should not be. Um, And we will be tempted to fall in love with some promise of a government that will shield us from difficulty. It's part of the calling. Expect some resistance. It's part of following after the person of Jesus Christ. Expect some resistance. Expect some turbulence in your future. Don't be surprised. Peter says that. Don't be surprised if something weird were happening to you. Jesus said, if it happened to me, it will happen to you. And the third thing I'll say is, man, take the compliment. Take the compliment. (laughs) If you live for Jesus and you experience any amount of hurt and harassment because of it, heaven is paying you the greatest compliment. Heaven is telling you, oh, we have reservations for you up here. Heaven is telling you there is a brand of joy reserved just for you. Heaven is telling you, oh, the spirit of glory, the spirit of God is draped all over you. Can you even sense what's happening in the spiritual realm? Take the compliment. I have fallen in love with comfort as the ultimate compliment. Or being liked as the ultimate compliment. But man, Jesus says, oh, how blessed is the person who is persecuted for righteousness. Take the compliment. Jesus calls you blessed. And there is no greater declaration to be spoken over your life than that one. Take the compliment. I am convinced when we get to heaven... The thing we'll be most proud of is the scars that I bore for the sake of Jesus. Emotional scars, relational scars, but some of us even physical scars. We'll be up there talking about, oh, you know what else I lost for him? (laughs) It was awesome. I wonder if the wiping of the tears from the eyes that Jesus will do when he comes back won't be for some of us who wish we would have lived a little more radically. And we see him and we're like, I just wasted my life in safety and in comfort. Take the compliment. If you study this book, the promises and the declarations that it speaks over anyone and everyone who is willing to experience whatever for the sake of Jesus Christ, it is a deluge, y'all. Take the compliment. Great is your reward. Great is the joy even now. Man, we're going to give you some resources so you can know some of the things that are happening across the world. But it is humbling to me. I was just, you know, engaging some of the, you know, the, the brothers and sisters who are suffering in other parts of the world. And their constant request is pray for us. Pray for us. Things are hard. Pray for us. But do not pray that the persecution stops. Pray that the Lord would give us greater courage to continue in this joyful work. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? They are living in light of the kingdom. And heaven is speaking compliment after compliment. And they are sensing it. And they are not asking for it to go away. 
They're asking to stay faithful and to continue to live righteously. Take the compliment. Great is your reward and great is the revival. I was checking this out. Like in in the world, I was curious to know, like, what are the countries in which, you know, Christianity is received with the greatest hostility, where it's most legal, culturally acceptable to go after Christians? And I saw the list of the top 20 countries. I'm like, man. Um, And by the way, we're safe. We're nowhere on that list. That's not a compliment, by the way. Um, And then I was curious to know. The countries in which the church is growing most quickly. And I'm like, would you look at that? It's the same countries. The spirit of God and glory must be draping over the churches there. Because these churches are growing like crazy. And we're not on that list either. Uh, Acts chapter 5 verse 40. And then I'll, I'll get out of here and vomit. Here's what it says. His speech persuaded them. These governors talked to each other. And they called the apostles. The followers of Jesus in. And had them flogged. And this was a brutal physical experience. Then they ordered them. Not to speak in the name of Jesus. And let them go. And the apostles sued them. Psych. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. What? Why? Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. They took it as a compliment. (laughs) This is so far from what's natural and cultural. Verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts. And from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. I'm like, wait, y'all didn't hear when they said stop doing this? No, they continued to live righteously and radically. And they took the experiences as a compliment. That is the spirit of the living God working in his people. And I pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit on your church in each and every one of us. And that you would reinvite us to living radically for the sake of Jesus That it would be unmistakable that we follow after him. I pray that we would be respectful and we would be gracious and we would be kind and we would be loving. But we would be clear and we would be radical and we would be crazy after you. Lord, we don't want to just read about what you're doing on the other end of the world. We want to get in on it. So I just pray that you would give us the courage and the humility. To live after you. And then awaken us. And awaken our county. Awaken the world around us. Help us to be willing to live like you lived, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you ultimately for your willingness to suffer for our sake. So that we can have a home with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.